Well, this morning I want to uh, give part two, the message we started last week, How Then Shall We Live? And, and last week really wanted to answer some important questions, primarily talking about what is God doing right now? And I'll recap that in just a moment. But, but this week I want to kind of just, just gently take a little redirect and add to that from what is God doing to why is God doing what he's doing? I want to deal with that question. And then next week, I'm going to really dial in on how then shall we respond? How then shall we live? But um, would you just pray with me one more time just there in your house? I just ask that you would really take this moment seriously. Allow the Holy Spirit to impact you and the teaching of the word to go forth and, and create light and conviction and encouragement and impart grace to you right now. And so uh, pray with me right now. And even if you would, just put your hand on your own heart, just right there in your home. Put your hand on your heart. Let's ask Holy Spirit to come and, and release revelation. So Lord, here we are. We come before you again. And though we're, we're all apart, we're able to connect virtually. And we're grateful for that. And we look for the day that we can stand together arm in arm once again. And Lord, I'm asking even right now, for the fire of the Holy Spirit to rest on each of us. Wherever we are, let the fire of your presence rest on us. God, all across this nation and in other nations, people that are gathering online with us from other nations, let your fire right now rest on their hearts. The presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray for light and revelation. I pray for understanding and clarity. I'm asking you to open the eyes of our heart and you'd break in with light even right now. And Lord, I'm in, in such need. I'm asking you to help me to speak your word with clarity, with boldness, to not shy away from the truth of the word. Let me speak as a prophetic oracle. And I ask you, Jesus, stand with me. Hold my hand. Let me declare your truth with, with faithfulness. We love you, Lord. We love you. Thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your word. We want to receive from you right now in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen and amen. Okay. Well, like I said, last week we, ta we talked about what is God doing. And we started probing a bit and saying, okay, what is God trying to put into us? What is, trying to, what is he trying to impart to us? What is he trying to remove from us, to get out of us? The, the non-essential things to get out of our lives. We begin to talk a little bit about that. Uh, what is he wanting to receive from us? What is it that he's, he's looking uh, as a heart response from us at this time? And I, and I won't re-preach the whole last message, but let me just give a few points from it so that we can kind of get an on-ramp for this week. So what was the points that I, that I identified about what is God doing? I said, number one, he's waging war on darkness. Jesus Christ, he came to destroy the works of the devil, and he's still doing that. And even in this global pandemic, the Lord is directing all things according to his, the counsel of his will, and he is moving against the works of darkness. And he is, he is just as committed to going, coming against the darkness that exists in society as he is uh, interested in coming against the darkness that exists in the church. And we, we made that point last week. And then secondly, we said he's shaking everything that can be shaken. We're going to mention this passage from Haggai chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 2. I think we're going to be mentioning that a lot in the days ahead. But the, 
The context is this, that the Lord is going to install Jesus Christ as the King of the nations. Jesus is returning. Jesus will reign, rule and reign from Jerusalem. And so the way that God sets that that rulership up, the way that the kingdom of God comes in fullness through the reign of his son Jesus is that he shakes all that is shakable so that only the things that are unshakable remain. Now that talk, that's talking about political systems, economic systems. That's talking about paradigms, things in our thoughts and our emotions and our mentalities. He is going to shake everything. He's, in Haggai, and I think maybe in a day ahead, maybe next week we'll talk about it, he says he's going to shake the heavens and the earth, the land. He's going to shake a variety of the facets of, of where we live right now so that he can install Jesus. It's critical that we understand that it's unto that end that Jesus Christ is returning. Well, thirdly, I said he's judging his people. And this is probably one of the least popular uh, topics in, in, you know, in all preaching and I think it's very rare that you ever hear anybody say that God's judging the church, but he, he was really clear. He says, judgment will begin with the house of God. And, and, and Paul said it really, really clearly. He said, listen, you want to be judged now so you're not condemned with the world. And, and that's just a critical thought. And when we're judged, we are corrected by the Lord. And, and this is not something to, to be scared of. This is something to recognize that the Lord, he, he corrects those whom he loves. And so if we're without correction, the Bible says we're illegitimate. But when we receive his correction, it is a measure of his love manifest in our lives so that we can get out of line with the works of the enemy or carnal mentalities and get in line with the ways and the will of God. And so just very boldly just saying that God is judging us. He is correcting us. He's inviting us to chop off things that are not essential. And he's inviting us to, to really uh, protect the things that are, are, are critical. And then fourthly, I said he's speaking to his people. And I gave kind of six little points. I said he's asking us to slow down, to bow down, to look up at him, to make eye contact, to huddle up, that's relationally connect, to change it up the way that we think about the kingdom. And I think this might be the biggest one that right now we've got to change our paradigm. Christianity cannot continue to exist in the West if the mentality of Christianity is what's in it for me. What do I get out of this? It, it will not continue to exist. Christianity cannot be about how do I get more temporal blessings? How do I become a better me? That cannot be what it's about. It's not biblically what it's about. What Christianity is about is a people that recognize the, the matchless price that God has paid for them through the sacrifice of his son that we would that we would see his sacrifice of him laying himself down, bloodied, broken, bruised, beaten, giving himself on the cross, and that we would then respond to Jesus Christ poured out for us and that we would not own ourselves anymore, but we would recognize he bought us with, with his blood, he bought us with a, with a price, he paid for us, and that he died for all of us, 1 Corinthians 5.15, he died for all of us, that we, 2 Corinthians 5.15, that we which live 
should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. This is where it's got to go. It needs to be changed in our mentality. And then finally, I said, God wants us to rise up in faith. And I just so appreciated Dustin just praying and contending again today, just believing for breakthrough. And we're going to continue to pray and believe for breakthrough for those that are battling sickness and disease in our spiritual family, but also for a breakthrough against COVID-19. Amen. So let me transition now into why God is leading this way. I think this is a really important question and it reveals a lot about us. And I think probably all of us at some point or time, we've, we've been in a situation that was super difficult, super hard. And, and that question, it came out of us. Why God? Why me, God? And, and that why question, it really exposes our own heart and, and it shows us a, a thing about kind of what we understand about the Lord. It's, it's an important question. I don't think we shouldn't ask it, but if we can ask it in humility and instead of in judgment and arrogance, oh, it will gain a lot of traction for us. If we ask it in arrogance, why would you do something like this to me? Why? I don't deserve this. If we ask it that way, then we actually exalt ourselves over God. We make ourselves God and we judge him. But if we'll ask it with humility, why, Lord? I I don't think I understand. I I need to know why you're leading things this way. Let let me see what you're doing, and let me see why you're doing it. Because in, in that kind of a heart posture, the why question really is, it's really a, who are you? Who are you, Lord? And what why, what it reveals to us is our own offense with who he is. So often we love to, to think about God as a, a kind, good father. We, we love to think about Jesus as a, a loving bridegroom. We, we love Jesus as a king, but we almost never love to think about Jesus as a judge. And that why question, it will bring us face to face with our offense with God. And that's really what I want to work us through a little bit today is this issue of our offense with his leadership, why he does what he does, and in that, who is he? And a good question for you to ask yourself is this, do you love Jesus the judge as much as you love Jesus the savior, Jesus the bridegroom, and Jesus the king? Do you love him? This one who John 5, he said, all judgment has been committed to me. All judgment. So eternal judgment over the lives of humanity has been committed to Jesus. Temporal judgments that we see in the book of Revelation, all committed to Jesus. Do we love Jesus who's been given the authority to judge heaven and earth? See, we can't just do Jesus like a buffet. I want a little of the macaroni and cheese. I like the fried chicken. No, I don't want any broccoli. No broccoli. I want want that that chocolate pudding. It's kind of plastic. I want some of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? We cannot, but no, no, don't, don't give me any of those Brussels sprouts. We cannot treat Jesus like he's a buffet. He's not. And so believers, so often what they want to do is they want to read the Bible, 
They'll read through the passages, the verses that they like, they commit those to memory, and they brush over every verse in between. So they'll literally read an entire chapter. If they don't understand it or don't like it, they'll brush over 75% of it, and then they will grab the verses that they really like. The, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. Well, it's preceded, most people don't realize this, it's preceded by Paul saying, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you almost never see the t-shirt that says, I know how to be abased. What we see is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I love that. I love that passage. But you can't do Philippians 4.13 without Philippians 4.12. And that's how we've got to really recognize that we've read the Bible in a way that suits us instead of read it in a way that declares who he is broadly, fully. And when we don't, when we're unwilling to see who he is fully, then what happens is when he is just himself, when he does what he does, we get offended with him. And that why question, it will call us into that place of wrestling through our offense and dealing with it. And and here's what I want you to do. If you're offended in God's leadership, ask the why question, but ask it real humbly. Seriously, just ask it humbly. God, I don't understand. Why is it that you're leading things this way? I understand Ephesians 1.11. You lead all things according to the counsel of your will. Show me why so I can understand who you are. Now, I'm going to begin to work through this. I would say this. Why is God doing this? Short answer, and I'll I'll pull this out a little bit broader later. Why? He's helping us. He's kind. He's gentle. He's loving. And he's helping. You're going, wait a minute. This is a global pandemic. Why in the world would God use something like this and, and I'm not belittling this global pandemic. I mean, people are really sick. People are really losing their lives. This is a very, very serious situation. And, and I believe the Lord, there's a times when he directs the actions of, of human affairs. There's times when he allows the actions of human affairs. I'm not here to sparse, you know, parse that right now. But he is definitely directing all things sovereignly to a certain end. And so... You know, when you look at this, you go, man, this is a serious thing. Like, why would he, why would he use this? How is this him being kind? How is this him loving us? Well, to, to get that, you have to kind of zoom out. You got to get a little bit of, of the big picture. And that's what I want to do for the next few minutes. I want us to look at the big picture. Where are things going? He's directing all things according to the counsel of his will. There is a certain end that God is bringing everything to. It's the exaltation of Jesus Christ across all the nations of the earth. He will come and he will rule and reign. How are we going to get there is the point. What's the big picture? How is God taking us from where we are right now to to there? What what are the big steps that are going to take place? Let me just walk through them. In your notes, I've given you seven points. This is not by any means exhaustive. But it's so that you can kind of get your mind on where things are going and give us a bit of a biblical worldview. All right, first, I'm going to start with the most exciting one first. There is a global harvest that God is going to release in the days ahead. Acts chapter 2, Revelation 7, there's so many passages that describe 
that God is going to pour out his spirit until every tribe, tongue, people, and nation come under the lordship of Jesus. This is going to happen before the Lord returns. There is maybe a billion soul harvest. Maybe it's two billion. But until every single people group hears the gospel and is burning in righteousness, that is coming to the earth a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There will be signs, wonders, and miracles on demand. There will be so many who are lost right now, atheists, so many who hate God right now. They will be struck by the glory and the power of God. The conviction of the Holy Spirit will grip their hearts and call them into relationship with Jesus. The witness of the gospel will go forth in power, And there will be a massive harvest. We will see the inbreaking of the glory of God in societies around the earth in a way that we've never seen before. Take the activity of the book of Acts, specifically what was localized in Jerusalem, that Pentecost outpouring, multiply it in its intensity, and then multiply it in a global scale. And that's what the outpouring that's coming to the planet is going to look like. Massive Massive salvations. Secondly, God is also going to judge sin and rebellion. He is going to judge all the wickedness of human humanity. It's really, really clear that in the days before the Lord returns and in the days that the Lord returns, the scriptures are so clear that he is coming to judge unrighteousness. That uh, passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, I just, I just want to read it. And I, I realized this morning after I gave the notes to our, our media team, I gave 20-something references, but I didn't actually tell them which passages <laughs> I was going to use. So if you've got your device, you can look at it. If not, I will just read you the passages. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Verse 6, he says, it's a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I can't tell you, I, if I am an unfaithful witness, if I stand up here and get you excited about global outpouring, without telling you that God is also going to judge unrighteousness. He is going to do both. He is going to release mercy in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, draw so many people into salvation. And then those who obstinately dig in their heels and reject the Lord Jesus, they will experience the judgment and ultimately the, the eternal judgment of God. Thirdly, the Bible is really, really clear. There is a massive falling away coming. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 4 talks about in the latter days this departure from the faith. People will turn away from the Lord. So you have maybe a billion plus coming in, and I don't know the number, but you have many who will also turn away from the Lord. Now, just hear me, hear me. These are not fairy tales. This is where things are going. And so the Lord right now, the why question is what we're answering. He's moving in a way right now with all those things in front of us. This gives us some 
you know, understanding as to why he's doing what he's doing right now, because this is where things are going. Listen, many are going to turn away. They're going to fall away. And this is something that has got me burdened, and I'll just share my burden a little bit. But there's about, they, you know, sociologists say there's about a billion people worldwide that name the name of Jesus. You know, that's every version of Christian culture, you know, from the people that they go to church once every few years to different sects of what they would call Christian sects that maybe we wouldn't even identify as evangelical Christianity to, you know, fully in love, uh, you know, disciples of Jesus Christ. So they got about a billion worldwide. Now, Jesus is committed to seeing another billion plus come in at the same time this group of a billion, undoubtedly, many of those are going to go out. Now, this is something that has me burdened as a leader right now. And I, I you know, take it for what you will. I, I don't know how you'll take this, but I care about the flock, the, the spiritual family that the Lord's entrusted me with, uh, and, and our leadership team, our pastoral team, all of us together, I care deeply about where our spiritual family is going. I care about the church in our region, the church in our nation, the church in the earth. I care about those that call themselves by the name of Christ. But what's so biblically evident is there are people who are naming the name of Christ right now who ultimately will turn away from Jesus. And so that requires a certain sobriety and a certain you know, mentality of, okay, we need to see where things are going. We need to see who God is so that we can stand firm through a time of trial and testing. I'm telling you, beloved, there's a massive harvest coming. There's massive judgments coming, but there's also a, a, a falling away coming. All of this drama is going to be happening simultaneously nearly in, in the generation in which the Lord returns. Well, D, Satan is going to rage against the church and against Israel in an unprecedented way. Revelation chapter 12, uh, verse 12 is so clear. It says, you know, in, the, in the, the last, you know, three and a half years of this age, Satan loses authority in the heavens and he is cast to the earth. And it says he is going to rage because he knows his time is short. And it literally, the Bible actually says, woe to those who live on the earth, woe, because of the amount of, of demonic, satanic influence that's gonna be released against specifically the nation of Israel and the church. There's coming a day, Jesus said it really clearly, Matthew 24, verse nine, he said, all nations will hate you on account of my name. All nations will hate you. And so I'm giving you these future checkpoints so you understand that there is real reasoning behind the Lord allowing shakings like what we're experiencing right now because though what we're experiencing is serious, I mean, it's got real negative implications, real challenging things, it's actually very, very low grade compared to what's coming on the earth. I don't say that to make you feel bad. I, I, I really don't. I, I'm saying that because I'm wanting to call you to attention. I want to call you to alert. 
and to sobriety. And actually, I want to call you to faith because this is where things are going. But, but the, the faithful will overcome and they will stand faithful in Jesus through the trials and through the challenges. And so Satan is going to rage against the church. He's going to rage against Israel. There'll be many, many, many martyrs in the earth. Now, that doesn't sound very popular in an American context. But what we don't really understand in in America is that there are more martyrs in the earth right now than have ever been in the history of of the world. And so we have brothers and sisters right now suffering persecution, suffering martyrdom all across the nations. We're still in a bubble of virtual protection But I want to say this, that the persecution is going to get much, much more intense as we get closer to to the Lord's return. And ultimately, Israel, anti-Semitism is going to grow to its highest measure ever in the history of the earth, and Israel is going to be the center of the target. And it's incumbent upon believers to stand with Israel in that hour. All right, next. I already said it. We're going to be talking about Haggai chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 12, but there's massive shakings coming. There's unprecedented shakings coming. I mean, what we're experiencing now, it's a shaking, but these are going to multiply. And I just really want to get your, your, your senses tuned to that. Peter, he said this, he said, arm your mind for suffering. Like, get ready because mentally, if you'll recognize, it's going to be tough. We're going to be able to stand by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's going to be tough. If you can get your mind around it that, hey, things are going to get challenging, they're going to get powerful and glorious, but they're also going to be difficult. If you can go ahead and and recognize that's the path, glory is going to come, shakings are going to come, judgments are going to come, the rage of the enemy is going to come. These things are all going to happen together. If you can get your mind set that, hey, we might have seasons of real glory and it might feel like a respite from difficulties, but then we're going to have seasons of real challenge. If you can get your mind set on that, you'll be able to stand with ease. The challenge is if you think everything's just going to be awesome, only good, you know, in just a minute, we're going to get all get back to, to doing what we were doing before. The economy is going to explode again. It's going to be so fun. I mean, I can't wait to just get past this one moment and, and then everything's going to be great. If that's our mentality, we are going to be so offended when the next shaking comes. And I'm telling you, there are more shakings coming. Matthew 24 is super clear. Seven clear signs There's probably 20 that the Bible, you know, uh, makes really clear that will happen in the earth from governments to economies to wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, tsunamis, I mean, pestilences, plagues, all of these different things. These are all the, the runway up into the birthing of the kingdom. And why again is he shaking it? Why? Why, Lord? Why are you doing this? Because... Humanity has created a kingdom, all our own, that's very shakable and very godless. So what does he do? He shakes it just to show us, just to show us real quickly our frailty, our essential need of God, and call men's hearts to turn to him. That's why he shakes it. And then wickedness gets shooken. And, and, and uh, you know, uh, improper mentalities of righteousness, the, the things that the, the mentalities that are in the church that are false, they get, they get shooken or shaken. I'm saying it funny. They, they get shaken. And, and, and then what happens is God shakes it all down until 
only those things that can't be shaken remain. And that's the kingdom that Jesus is going to rule and reign. Well, next is this. And, and I'm, I'm so, my heart's so alive about this point. God is going to bring the church to full maturity and love. Listen, that billion or so people, Jesus is looking at that billion right now. And then there's another billion or two coming. He's looking at them and he's, he's already moving and thinking, how do I get all of them to come to the fullness of love? The father's already thinking about that. I want, I want a, a bride for my son who loves him the way that he loves her. I want to bring her to full maturity in love. I want to get rid of every other lover, every distraction, everything that's drawing her heart away into other you know, pursuits. I want to get rid of that. And I want my son to be her pearl of great price. And so the Lord's committed to bringing the church to maturity and love. Uh, Ephesians 4, he, sa- he says he's going to bring us to, to the uh, maturity of the faith. And, and in Revelation um, chapter 19, uh, we see this picture of the bride and she is dressed in white and she is glorious. It's this billion or two or three billion person bride all together and she is dressed in white. She is mature in love. She's a comparable partner for Jesus. And it's so stunning that in Revelation 19 verse 10, John falls down, he's overcome with what he's seeing when he sees the mature bride. He falls down and he begins to worship an angel. The mature apostle doesn't even know what to do because he's so overwhelmed by the work of God to bring from the earth a mature bride, a partner for Jesus that loves him with brilliant, burning, fiery love. John's so overcome, he falls down. He's like, I have to worship. And the angel goes, see to that you don't do that. You can read it in Revelation 19. But here's the point, man. The Father is so committed to you and me. I mean, let's not just make it the two or three billion out there. He's so committed to you and me. He's so committed to your heart. He's so committed to my heart. He, he is gonna use the least severe means necessary to bring the greatest number of people to voluntary love. And what does that mean? That he's gonna use whatever's necessary for you and for me to bring our hearts to full abandonment, to bring us out of our our own sort of encasement to where our hearts are fully moving in love with Jesus, fully obedient, fully abandoned to righteousness, totally connected to him, and not distracted by all these other things. This is the, the father's great desire that he's promised his son. He says, I'll give you the nation's son for your inheritance. And that, that mature bride, that's you and me. That, so I don't know how he's working in your heart right now. I don't know what he's wrestling with you about. Some of you, he's wrestling with you about your distractions. So, some of you, he's wrestling with you about your complacency or your lukewarmness. Some of you, he's putting his finger on certain areas. And it's not because he's condemning you. It's because he loves you. And he's wanting to bring you to abandonment, full obedience, full abandonment in love, flowing in love, flowing in love with Jesus continuously as you're day in and day out, you're normal. 
And I know he's been touching my heart, showing me areas of distraction and, and areas where I, 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 I've been disobedient. He's putting his finger on them in my own heart. And he's saying, son, I want you to learn how to do things differently than that. I don't want your own strength. And he's been talking to us about this for 18 months. I mean, just trying to get us out of moving in our own strength. And he's really just still just working that in me so that I, I will just obediently follow, not in the strength of the flesh, but in obedience in love. And this is what he's committed to, bringing the church to maturity and love. And then finally, Jesus is coming. He's going to rule and reign. You know, I, you know people ask me, do you think it's gonna happen this summer? No, no. I don't think the Lord's returning this summer. I think we're at the beginning of the beginning. We're seeing shakings. I, I think if you go back, a hundred years, you see the context of Matthew 24, 4 through 8. I think if you look at the last 15 or so years, you see an increase and an intensity. I believe that this pandemic is a bit of a shifting of the gears. It's a bit of an acceleration. But I believe we have some more time. It may be decades. I don't know. I'm not trying to put a, put a time marker on it. But I, I believe we have some more time to, to get our hearts burning in righteousness, to get our children burning in righteousness, to make disciples, and to learn how to stand through trials and challenges. He's, he's shaking things so that we can learn how to stand. I, I think this, uh, and if you're following on the notes, this is Roman numeral three. I believe we're in a global training season. And uh, I, I was... I was dialoguing with a friend of mine, a, a leader, this past week, and, and, and he made this point. He says, you know, this is the first time in living memory where the entire planet, now just think about this, the entire planet is on alert and the entire planet is experiencing pressure all at the same time. I cannot, there's not another time in my life and in living memory, even people that are, you know, go back to 1918 maybe, that's the the last time with the the Spanish flu. But there's not been another time when the entire planet is alerted. And, And so there's a message, hey, wake up earth, wake up earth. And there's pressure because what happens in pressure is the gray areas, they go away. When pressure comes on, you kind of have to choose. What, what am I going to do? You can't stay in the middle anymore. The props that we, that we build around our lives, that we hold ourselves up with, we prop ourselves up with comforts and preferences, they all get kicked out when pressure comes. God uses pressure to produce righteousness. It's the coal and the diamond. The pressure and the heat causes the coal to become like a diamond. But I want you to think about it. In living memory, there is not another time when the planet was all alerted and all experiencing pressure at the same time. So this global training season for the church, it's that God wants to bring us to maturity and love, right? He's trying to bring us to be that that pure and spotless bride, fully in love, fully given to obedience to Jesus, and, and here's one of the clear, clear things that I'm looking at my own life and I just want to put it to you. Okay, so we, have, we all have this noble idea, right? Pre, let's say pre-COVID-19, we all have this noble idea. If I get more time, then I'll read the Bible more, 
I'll worship more, I'll pray more, I'll share the gospel more, and I'll be more committed if I could just get more time. Because right now I'm so busy, I just really can't, I can't study the word as much as I'd like, I can't pray as much as I'd like, I don't worship as much, you know, but I'm so busy. So, so here, so, but if, if I could just, seriously, if you could just clear everything off, then I really, man, I would just, oh, I just love that. I just go so much for Jesus. So uh, I've talked to a variety of believers, obviously, in the last five, six weeks. And, and I've gotten this testimony from many, actually. And, and, and some are, are, they don't even want to, they don't want to say it. They go, hey, I, I kind of like this uh, quarantine. I go, you like it? They go, yeah, I don't want to tell anybody. I go, okay, well, wh- what do you mean? Well, I like it because I'm with the Lord so much. I've been in the Word so much. I've, I've never had this many online studies. I'm doing, I'm doing literally Bible studies every single day. I've been in prayer and nothing's interrupting me. I, I mean, I'm really seeking the Lord and my heart is alive and it's fresh. I, I asked my wife, I, I said uh, a couple weeks ago, I said, honey, how are you doing? I mean, we're, we're stuck at home. She goes, I kind of love it. Now, my wife's an introvert. I just put that little asterisk there. She goes, I'm in the word more than I've been. I'm in prayer more than I've been. Things have slowed down so much. She goes, my heart's alive. I'm just, I love Jesus. I was talking to another believer this week and, and they, they go, how are you doing? I go, I'm, I'm good. Like, and I, I'm enjoying it because it's just, how often do I get a prayer room all to myself? I mean, it's almost like God gave me a free 24-7 prayer room. But, but I, I didn't want to say it too much because I know people are going through it. And I know many of you at home, you're still going through like just challenges at home. I get it. I, I do get that. I don't want to minimize that. But I said, I go, I, I'm doing good. How are you doing? And they go, are you okay? I go, yeah, no, I, I'm actually doing really good. And, and they said back to me, they go, me too. I love quarantine. I was like, what? They go, oh, man, my heart's alive with the Lord and prayer and in the word. Oh, it's beautiful. The time I'm having with God. I, I've had that conversation three or four times. Like some are having the time of their life. This thing is paying incredible dividends with them and the Lord. Well, some, it's not. And I mean, there are different pressures and challenges, of course. Of course, there's a financial thing. Of course, some have had to battle through sickness, for sure, and, and, and have had to deal with COVID-19. I think I know six people personally have, to, have had to deal with it in their household. And, 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 and so some, it's, you know, you're a, you're a mom, and you're now at home with four kids, you know, 12 and under, and it's, they were going to school, but now it's like bedlam. It's, you know, instant homeschool, and it's challenging, difficult. I get it. I get it. But others, you've actually gotten more time, and this is, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to be your friend. I'm not trying to be mean, judgmental, point of finger, but you've actually gotten more time and I'm just, I'm asking you as a friend because I, I want to help you. Has it translated to more time with Jesus or has it translated to more distractions? In other words, if you had distractions before, has the reset now, this time off, has it multiplied the distractions so you can get your mind off of this moment? H- has it? Because if it has, I'm calling you out of that. Don't stay doing that, really. Like, hear me right now. Don't do that again tomorrow morning. Don't wake up 
start scrolling on the internet, lose track of time. It's now noon. Let me get a sandwich and see what's going on on Netflix. Just don't do that anymore. Like stop, stop yourself. Get yourself up in the morning, seek the Lord, spend time in the word, get a schedule, work it through. I know that sounds so elementary. I know many are still at work, but I know this is a very real thing where the time that many people have, they've gotten this extra time, it's actually turned into more distractions. And, and some of you are aware of this, but I've, I've looked at this, the statistics. Alcohol sales right now are up 240% during the pandemic. Alcohol sales are up 240%. I don't even want to know what the uh, pornography sales are, except for I've so, I saw a headline that said online pornography sales are exploding right now. And Luke 21 describes this exact activity. I, I just, I want to read this passage to you because it's, it's, it's startling, it's challenging, uh, and, it, and it lets you see that spirit that, that calls you to sort of medicate in a time of challenge. Um, here's what it says. So Luke 21 is Jesus teaching on the end of the age. And he says, all these challenges, shakings are going to happen. Verse 34, he says this, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. Why do I bring that up? Because that Bible verse is what we would call in you know, 2020 America, medicating, carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life so that they're so checked out of reality of what's going on, the day of the Lord comes on them unexpectedly. Now, beloved, I'm I'm calling you to just take a sober inventory. Has the more time turned into, has it turned into more time with Jesus or has it turned into more medicating your soul? If it's turned into more medicating your soul, I'm asking you, change that right now. Turn away from that and turn to Jesus, amen. All right, so now let me just, let me just wrap this up. Let's come back to the main question, why? Why is God leading this way? Well, as I've already said, first, he's helping us. He's helping us to stand through challenges now so that we'll have legs to stand through the greatest days of glory and the greatest days of challenge ahead. He's helping us. This is what I call severe mercy. It's difficulty that is actually a mercy stroke. He's helping us. Secondly, he's helping us to get rid of the offense in our hearts toward him. If you can work out your offense with the Lord right now and just say, okay, God, I will go with you wherever you want to go. I want to know who you are, how you lead. I want to love Jesus, the judge, just like I love Jesus, the Savior and the King. If you can get that worked out right now in a day ahead, you've already handled that. You're already living in complete abandonment to him. So if he's helping us. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? He's helping us. He's helping us. Maybe you just say that. He's helping me. He's helping me. Secondly, what's he doing? He's loving you. He's loving you. He's disrupting you to cause your heart to come back to him. 
to cause your heart to fall more in love with him. He doesn't mind messing with our temporal things to get our attention on him. I talked about that last week. He's helping us. He's loving us. And I've found that the Lord is so present. If I'll just close my eyes and just sit before him. He's just so present. He just wants me to be with him. Thirdly, he's giving us mercy. This is an important passage. Isaiah 26 verse 9. When the judgments of the Lord are in the earth, the people learn righteousness. God's preemptive judgments before the day of the Lord, they're mercy strokes in order to get our hands off of things that we don't need to have them on and to get our hands onto things that we need to have them on. And so God's uh, activity of judgment right now on the earth, his correction, the, the, the things that he's allowing right now, this is his mercy. It, 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 he's wanting to wake us up from lukewarmness and wake us up from slumber. Fourthly, what is God doing? Why is he doing this? Because he's looking ahead. Now listen, you and I, we look at our lives through the next three days, three weeks, three months, and three years. That's what, that's what we look at it. What am I doing this weekend? What am I doing this month? What am I doing in three months? Where will I be in three years? If you're really good, you're the one, three, five, ten-year planner, if you're really good. But most people, it's three days and three weeks. You know what God's looking at? The next one million years on the short side. He's thinking about your eternity. He's thinking about the end of this age and the ages to come. He's thinking about who you're going to be in a million years. And you know what he's wanting to do right now? Shake you a little bit so you don't make decisions right now that you will regret a million years from now. He's shaking you a little bit to get your hands off frivolous, silly things right now so that you will in a million years be so thankful. Thank you, God. Thank you for how you led. Your leadership was perfect because you're going to have 2020 hindsight. You're going to look back and everything's going to make so much sense on the, uh, in a million years from now, in 100,000 years from now, in eternity. He's looking with an eternal perspective where we, we look at the arc of our lives over the next three years. And I'm telling you, he's doing things right now that are helping you for your eternity the difficulties are serving you. They're light momentary afflictions serving you for a far, war, far more eternal and exceeding weight of glory. Fifthly, last, and I made this point last week, but I just want to say it again. He's inviting us to partnership. He's shaking everything right now and inviting us into understanding him, understanding who he is, why he does what he does, what? So we can partner with him. So we can engage with him. So we can love him. And, and, and this, this is helping us get out misunderstandings in our own hearts. So we can fall more in love with him and be completely poured out and abandoned in obedience to him. This is what he's doing right now. He's inviting us to engage with him in this age so we can rule and reign with him in the next. In your notes, I put four different passages that describe how we will rule and reign with Christ in the next age. Now listen, I know these points can be challenging. I know it can be difficult to hear this kind of stuff. But I feel like I would be so remiss as a leader, as, as a, 
a minister, as a pastor, if I was not calling us to understanding why God's doing what he's doing and who he is in it so that we can get the offense out of our heart right now. Let's just get the offense out right now. Let's just decide I'm small, you're big, I don't understand, but I wanna know. Speak to me, teach me your way so I can engage with you. And let's get that big picture mentality so that we can run with the Lord into everything he has for us and for the, you know, the direction of the earth and, and the coming of the kingdom. Amen. Well, listen, I want to pray for you. We're going to wrap up, but I want to pray for you right now. And I'm asking you to just allow Holy Spirit to, to help you to take inventory, even on your own soul. Let's just take a moment. Let's just close our eyes. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I am asking. We're, we're, we're all asking. Why are you leading like this? What are you doing and why are you doing it? Lord, we want to come out of offense. We want to see that you are helping us. You're being merciful to us. You're pouring out love on us. You're drawing us away. You're bringing us into partnership. This is part of the way you're processing this age because there's many more challenging things coming. There's much glory coming and much difficulty coming. And you're wanting us to stand with you. Lord, I sense that so strongly. Now, in the name of Jesus, for every person at home connecting to this, right now, I just want you to engage with the Lord. If you'd say, Lord, I've, I've been offended, but I don't want to be. I've been distracted, but I don't want to be. I know we've been hitting these points in the last weeks, but this is just the moment we have to deal with these things. I, I've been distracted. I don't want to be. Lord, I'm asking Forgive me for my offense. I turn away from that. I turn towards you. Forgive me of all my distractions, the way I've allowed other things to take devotion to you from me. I want to invite you just right now just to turn towards him. Just, just tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. And I come to you right now. Train me and help me. Instruct me through this time. Finally, I just want to pray for those that are struggling in your emotions. You're struggling in your finances. You're struggling. The challenges of family life being, being quarantined. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Specifically, I want to pray for moms who are thrust into homeschool life and had no pr prior warning, no plan. Lord, help. Lord, for families that are struggling financially, help. God, thank you that we've been able to help people through our, our fund. And I, I just pray, God, that hardship fund, that you would continue to, to use the finances to, to help others. Lord, be our glory in the lifter of our head right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Lord, I'm so grateful you're committed to bringing forth a bride that's mature in love. I want to be that. And oh, Lord, we want to be that. 
We give you thanks for it all. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Well, amen. Well, it's been an honor to be with you today. God bless you.